It's July 22nd. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. With how many buttons down right now? Just one? Just one button down. Though they do kind of slip. I've been partially messing with them and partially just trying to put them back together. Partially messing with them as you proceed to rip off every button on your shirt. (laughs) This is one of my summertime shirts because it's very easy to vent if necessary. Oh, what have you guys been up to this week? I bought another version of Skyrim. Which one? The very special edition. For Wait, do you have to purchase that, or do, do you just have to enable it on Alexa? You just have to enable it on Alexa, but I bought a Alexa for Prime Day. So you could play Skyrim? Quite literally. Was that your big purchase on uh, Prime Day? Uh, yes. So I ended up getting... Uh, an Alexa with two smart bulbs. Um, I replaced my watch because that fell in the lake last weekend. And oh god! I also got two Dungeons and Dragons books. That was about it. That's pretty good. I totally forgot about Prime Day, so I didn't buy anything. So I'm I'm super curious. Uh, did did you change your setup at all, or are you just mirrored? I am just mirrored. Okay. So that means I'm going to go in and flip this because I don't want to edit it or fix it in the uh, in post. I uh, maybe went a little crazy on Prime Day. Oh, I guess I'm not mirrored. That's the actual layout of my house. I think. Maybe. Right. Well, it's going to be mirrored for you typically when you're in so Discord. Looking, what what hand is your left hand? This is my left hand. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now you're mirrored for us for whatever reason, but that's yeah. all right. It's okay. fixed, <laughs> and that is great for the audio listeners, audio only listeners out there. Uh, I maybe went a little crazy on Prime Day. I bought a sous vide or sous vide. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sous vide. It's sous vide. Uh, yeah. I I thought the D was silent, and I just call it a sous vide. Uh, no, so sous vide is, uh, French, and it literally translates to, uh, what is it, sous is, like, under, and then vide is void, or in this case, it would be vacuum. Hmm, okay, that makes sense. Uh, yet to use it yet. I also got an instant pot, and I bought a new computer, because I'm fucking crazy. Oh, no, because... The deal is pretty no, good on it. I think it's because you needed a new computer. I'm exactly. using the old one right now, and it's working fine. For oh, now. Yeah. And then For it's going to break again. Once it eats up another operating system, solid state, or SSD, then uh, maybe that will be the point at which I salvage what's left inside of it. Um, any uh, Anything other than Prime Day for you guys? Um, I seasoned, I reseasoned my cast iron a Dutch oven, which is a lot of work. And my apartment is super hot because of that, because you have to put it in the oven to kind of bake those oils back in. Do you have a cast iron Dutch oven? Yeah, man. It's great. I used to make a bunch of vegetable soups with it, but I'm going to try some baked goods sometime soon. Uh, What else did I do? Hosted D&D as usual for cookies party in the... uh, two groups that I do, and then I did some... Oh, yeah, I went and saw Sorry to Bother You yesterday. Oh, which, that movie's uh, out? Yeah, it's out. Or at least it's it just released out here um, at one of our indie theaters on Friday. Well, I've got a free movie ticket to... Um, oh, God, what's that um fancy movie theater called? The first one to feed you? Oh, the first one was the Cynodyne? Nope. No, it's the... The Alamo? Yeah, the Alamo. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. You should go to the Alamo for that. I was going to say, I think Cynodyne closed, and now an Alamo is opening up in uh, in its spot. That's uh, awesome. The, uh, yeah, the one at Midtown Crossing mm-hmm. is now becoming an Alamo, and the Cynodyne didn't... They just have all of them are Cynodynes now. But yeah, that's about it. And then uh, I wish I would have known Prime Day was going on. Like I knew about it, I just completely forgot because I need to buy a soccer ball because my uh, (laughs) sister's dog 
is somehow able to unhinge his jaw and just like chew through my soccer ball on the move too like while running open his mouth and pierce the like quarter inch thick i guess plastic or whatever on my brain of the soccer ball yeah i was really hoping this was going to become like an air bud story but no (laughs) hopes dashed it's it's like Air Bud if Air Bud's goal was to just ruin the game forever. <laughs> I mean he oh. single-handedly does that. He opens up the entire the entire world of world of athletics to dogs. Yeah. And then the superior species there is going to take over. Higgs, yeah. Go humans. Where in the constitution does it say a dog cannot be president? <laughs> Exactly. Video games. What have you guys been playing? Uh, uh, besides Skyrim and a tiny bit more Octopath Traveler, nothing else. I've got like 22 hours on Octopath Traveler at this point, And I don't know why I expected this game to be like smaller or shorter when it was $60. But uh, it seems like there is a lot of stuff ahead for me. So... I'm being pleasantly surprised by the size of the game, even though I probably should have expected it to be more than 20 hours for completion. Have you guys encountered any of the... uh, Have you encountered any of the job shrines yet? No. I personally haven't. Okay, so there are uh, shrines in the game, and this is... I mean, it's still within the first 20 hours, so... There are shrines where you can go and essentially get a secondary job. And then you can have, I think it's similar to Bravely Default in the sense that you can have like two jobs equipped. Um, And so you can get Uh, a secondary job. And as long as you're not, uh, as long as your primary job doesn't line up with it, you can equip your characters with different jobs. So since I've been playing as Tressa the Merchant, the first shrine I found was for the thief, and so I made her a merchant thief, which uh, is pretty great because it gives me a like large amount of versatility just on the weapons I can hold. So Tressa is equipped with the best spear, dagger, bow, and sword that I've found so far, and I can do most every physical attack besides the axe and the staff. Does the shrine give her the ability to actually do the thief's um, out-of-character no. thing? Nope. Oh, well, then uh, never so mind. It, yeah, it doesn't add a path, a path action. The one could argue that Tressa was already a thief because she could st- essentially steal gold from enemies. Like, how else do you, quote-unquote, generate gold she from enemies? She collects gold. She's, they're taxes. just paying their taxes, yeah. So is the sheriff of Nottingham not a thief for collecting like gratuitous amounts of taxes from people? Exactly. He's not a thief by the law's standards. That's the whole point. <sighs> oh, by the way, th- there is a Airbud where he runs for Senate, apparently. <laughs> what? That's not <laughs> true. Airbud 14, the endless filibarker. What what's the target audience is my question. I have no fucking idea. I'm hoping this is like a joke article, but it has to be. Yeah, when I look up the Wikipedia for Air, but I I do not see anything okay, related good. to yeah. said it. All right, perfect. So, your childhood is preserved yet another year or two before when it actually comes out, and Air Bud has to deal with Russian uh, election interference. <laughs> Yeah, Octopath Traveler. I've gotten, I think, eight hours into it. I think I'm going at like a reasonable pace with the game because I, at times, feel like I'm not necessarily under-leveled, but I have characters that are definitely under-leveled with me. I haven't gathered up the eight uh, titular characters yet. You'll uh, find out. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm about six hours in. I just got done with the merchant story, and I'm heading to some other place how many characters do you have one two so i've got the 
hunter, thief, the merchants, the cleric. I think I've got one more or I'm working on one more story. Because, yeah, I've got one more. I've got five right now. Maybe I'm going a little slow then because I only have five characters now. I'm currently doing Tress's storyline and I started with the thief. I uh, got Alfin, the dancer, or Primrose, and Ulbrich. I'm pleasantly surprised. You guys kind of downplayed the quality of the story. Uh, yeah, maybe it's not super serious, but I think every every story so far seems like somewhat engaging and somewhat interesting. I don't know. I think Ulbrich is somewhat. dumb, but I appreciate most everyone else's. Ulbrich's is kind of like if you overanalyze it, you ask yourself why why is he so compelled to go and seek out Earhart when he felt apparently no desire to look after or like to chase after him at that point in time. There's like a big time jump that maybe the second chapter or second part of his story explains. But there's there's like no rationale as to why he feels motivated now compared to what his motivations are or were before yeah you had the dead eyes of a fish moments before and then i said Earhart, and you immediately had a fire in your eyes life has been returned to you through revenge it's like did he need to have like a 20 year cool down or like 20 years to fester this desire for vengeance before he actually wanted to get up off his ass to do something it's not like he's not doing anything at all like protecting the town and teaching like a new generation of of, yeah no uh, he has a noble calling yeah. Uh, I mean, he had a noble calling, and now he's going to end up chasing down after this guy only to find out that his old king was apparently a douchebag or something. Yeah. Some sort of twist. Some sort of twist. I, I have know, the I... scholar. The scholar is the other one I have. Oh, Cyrus is great. Yeah, I like all, I like all the characters so far. I, I'm excited for you guys to get all of them. Um, and ultimately, did I did we talk about the last time that the characters don't have any interactions with one another about their storylines. It might have been brought up, but as I found from Tiff later that like once banter. you get further in the game, they do. Yeah. They have banter with one another as well. Just like minor character or characters who aren't actively a part of the storyline will have minor conversations relevant to it. That kind of ties them together as to why they're hanging out with one another. So it does address my I think complaint or assessment last time that there doesn't seem to be any reason for why they've uh, they remain a collective group throughout each like deviating quest, especially when like a game similar to this formula already exists and their solution was to basically just have more than the selectable protagonists. So. Yeah. You have like secondary characters that have specific relationships with your quote unquote selectable main characters, and that like it also I don't know. I, I'm referring to like the romancing saga, Saga Frontier One, and all of those games. Uh, and if they if they didn't have that banter to begin with, like it would have been definitely a big waste. But I understand not introducing it until after the first set of quests i'm assuming like after the introductions because you don't necessarily know who you're going to have in your party at what point in time so it could just be a giant waste of writing to have a bunch of dialogue between primrose and cyrus during chapter one event stuff or uh, chapter one's events yeah uh speaking on that same note like i want to I do want to point out that this game does like an exceptional job of I feel like keeping the keeping the game entertaining in a way that Romancing Saga and a lot of traditional RPGs uh up like traditional as in actually old RPGs kind of fail to do. Uh the combat does feel very fluid and like you you can get through battles really quickly if you're willing to spend the resources. Uh and you're you're not necessarily punished by doing so either. Um, no, you're uh, you're incentivized to complete the battles the most efficiently and effectively as possible. You get bonuses to gold for being untouched. You get bonuses to experience for causing a break on an enemy. 
And then you also get job point experience for uh, like overwhelmingly defeating foes, which I think means you finish them on like your first turn or something. And what is it? I, I what is that the mode, the rush mode or whatever that you store up your BP and you can expend? You're uh, bravely default. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just basically, right? Uh, yeah, it's just a it's an extra. It's burst mode, boost burst mode. mode, boost mode. Yeah, yeah, boost mode. When you use that on spells, you're not using any additional uh, SP Attacks, either. Yeah. So that that's like it, it, it is extremely convenient when you have like an offensive mage. Slash it also, turns your yeah. cleric into a godly healer, yeah. Using just the the first spell, the first yeah. aid spell, the ability to essentially wait a couple of turns and then spend a lower mana cost for a much better like uh, output effect is really nice because I think it makes it more tactical on how you're really managing that turn line. And I had my first like not difficult boss, but just my first boss that was able to deal out or dish out like good amounts of damage but also uh and and like with ads and so forth as well so it it made me it made me actually realize that the the strategy in the game is actually relatively uh free-flowing i guess you can have different approaches to fights uh you can try and juggle breaks to uh, essentially like break multiple enemies at different turns to lessen their overall dps or damage per turn rather uh dpt like it, it it's really hard though to also lose or it, it's also hard to uh keep in mind that you need to focus one enemy down at a time if you want to be extremely efficient maybe there's like a little bit of balance between killing enemies as fast as you can and avoiding damage and i i kind of appreciate that from a standpoint of uh like turn-based rpg game design because typically like you know, Persona Five just as like a very modern or like recent RPG is very simple in comparison. You just knock down enemies and kill them as fast as you can, and then there are buffs that come into play, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say before we get into our main topic about Octopath Traveler. So um, uh, the last thing I was going to say is just to tease you guys, when you put in some extra time, these uh, the map really does seem to expand and extend quite a bit out from the central starting area. And uh, the environments just get like prettier and more interesting as you develop outward in that kind of radial uh, fashion from the map. And it also seems like... I do feel as you progress through the game, you're going to be shepherded into answering certain storylines, chapters first over others, not only because of the recommended level, but just because of the difficulty traversing to different areas. The level of the enemies in the environment as you uh, progress in that first circular area, picking up all your characters, slowly improves and scales with your character's uh, party strength. But as you move out into the other areas, they are approximately all the same, it seems like, to start. But uh, there are certain paths that you need to take moving into this like second layer or the next outer ring that are much higher level than others. And so you do start getting uh, presented with options of like, there are three or four paths, but maybe only one or two of them are actually viable to your team strength at that moment. So danger zone. Yeah, exactly. They start they start having you really decide if you want to uh progress through an incredibly dangerous area to get to the next spot or if you take a less challenging uh route to a different storyline to finish it first and kind of get better supplies, higher levels before moving forward. Does the does the forest get better? The forest is the worst part of the game for sure. Uh it is I totally understand what you're talking about with that weird blur effect. Like there's a tree in front of you the whole time. It is the only place that I've experienced that kind of like difficulty seeing where I'm going and like really uh comprehending the oh. geometry of the map at any given time. So the Are forest you- is the only bad spot. It's the one time where I think the like graphical approach is really limited in its effectiveness. So Everywhere are you else is both fine. playing handheld? 
Um, I switch between handheld and uh, big screen. Me too. I play mostly big screen, but I played some handheld, and it's definitely the worst at handheld in the forest. But it's mm. not that much better on the big screen, I, in my opinion. I, I didn't know it was a tree in front of me until I got into big screen, and then I was like, oh, those are pixel outlines of a tree, not just my Switch fucking up. Yeah. I, I also noticed something weird when I was going through the uh, the sewers of Sandstone. I think that's the city that Primrose starts in. Yeah how green the like aura is around it yes and then if you went in that and actually adjusted the brightness it would revert back to black but i i don't know what the case is it's definitely a visual bug because i would oh and and by the way was that happening in handheld or big picture for you for you scott both okay and uh it was the same when i did the demo as well so i turned down the the brightness manually within the sewer and it looked perfectly fine. It was black, and it looked good. It, my brightness settings, maybe it's because of how I have my monitor set. I'm only playing on big picture mode or whatever. Uh, I turned the brightness basically all the way down. Looks perfect. Black uh, black shadows around the edges. I left the sewer, came back in. Suddenly, everything is fucking bright again. And you, it's like it's obvious because aside from the green, when you go into battle, it seems like you're in like a well lit sand temple. Sand temple in the sunlight yeah it's like it's way too bright uh but then i went into the menu the the setting hadn't changed but i just joggled it up and down and when i left the menu it had gone back to the correct brightness again so there's definitely some bugs here and there i've noticed with the shading and you you mentioned something else too oh right danger levels and so forth i also really enjoy how they do like it's kind of like a fake scaling. I guess it's there's nothing fake about the scaling difficulty, but it's not like an automatic Skyrim scaling where suddenly the sewers that you were at in the beginning of the game fighting off rats and other, you know, weak-ass monsters once you're level 60 are now replaced with dragons or, you know, the equivalent. <laughs> like, dreadlords now inhabit the sewer, and you're just like, well, that's fucking weird, but okay. Yeah. Uh I, I'm guessing, because I haven't gotten that far in the game, obviously, but it seems like the scaling happens or it is managed uh, like in a fixed way. So whenever you do someone's quest, the, the levels across the board start to scale up, except for the areas that are already too high and those stay stagnant. Yeah, it strikes me that after you complete a boss battle uh, or yeah, you complete a chapter in a storyline, that that environment, like that ring has every monster every enemy's level bumped up like the the level the area danger goes up and so once i finish the interior ring i don't think that their levels have gotten any higher since then Mm, um but then that exterior or that outside ring i think those levels are all approximately the same with one another they might be slightly different i found that the uh the enemy types can be a lot more challenging from area to area and it might be because of my party build um unfortunately you do want to balance the levels of all your characters in this game but i hate Olberic, so he's like level 14 while everybody else is close to the mid 20s at this point and primrose is pretty low too but she's effective i just happen to have the thief on me quite a bit for acquiring items so it does it, I think part of it is having bad team builds, but it also, like I was saying to Cookie while you left, is uh, it also seems like it suggests there are paths of less resistance and storylines that are ideally completed first before you tackle others for their like chapter two story progression. Like I, there's one that is to the north in the mountains, and you have to go through a cave that is very dangerous and I haven't used Cyrus for it yet, which I probably should to get his fire attack to get a lot of breaks in. But if I try and progress through it without Cyrus for that fire, like that uh, all enemies fire attack, I don't know if I can make it through without my party just getting stomped on, even if I use every other character as effectively as I possibly can. It's nice because they encourage you through the enemy types and like their different vulnerabilities. They encourage you to use a different variety of characters, but at the same time, those uh, job shrines essentially allow you to avoid using characters you just dislike or hate. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 
if you get a job shrine that's like the scholar, can you pick up that skill where he just knows people's um, what you call it? Vulnerability. Uh, no. So that's a yeah. that's still a it's like that's the his intrinsic path. the intrinsic ability that characters have, and then their path actions are the two things you don't inherit from the job. So Sad for Tress, day. if someone gets a merchant uh, job as a secondary job, they don't get automatic um, gold every time they enter an area because that's still unique to Triss or Tressa, but they get every ability Tressa can use as uh, she as as her like merchant skills. So you get all of the skills available to you. You still have to spend JP on them, but uh, it's pretty it's pretty useful. But it also does mean that you need to switch out characters in order to still utilize their path actions. So there still is some incentive for you to mix up your team every once in a while. But luckily, it seems like every path action you have, or path talent, whatever they call it, has, has a B version of it. Or Absolutely. A. But some are definitely much better than others. Like with Therion, uh, I can steal really nice pieces of equipment from villagers that I could only afford maybe one of, even at a discount price, if I tried to buy them as the merchant. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, I'm just going yoink on everybody's inventories and then on the like cheaper items, I'll just buy them as the merchant uh, if I have to, or it's too hard to steal. So have you come across any items and people that you were hesitant to uh, steal? No, because it seems like stealing some items, uh, there are items that I can't utilize, and so they have value for like side quests. And so anything that seems like it's sentimental or like valuable to that person, I steal knowing that I'm going to complete a side quest with it later. Well, it seems like <laughs> it seems like the ultimate way to tell is if it has a diamond shape on it because that's diamond like a key next to it item on the left hand side. Yeah, there's no consequences to stealing either, besides like your town reputation getting tanked, and then um, uh oh, we're a little out of sync. Sorry. No, it's fine. I, I think I my internet just dropped a bit there. Well, so so okay. There is a character pretty early on that you can uh, you can encounter. It's a little girl in Alfin's uh, town. It's the one that tells you where, uh, where, where that, like uh, Nita got Viper is. Yeah, yeah. So if you go and steal from her, she has candy in her inventory. Did you take that? Yeah, I yes. took the candy. I haven't even used it yet, <laughs> but I took it. Okay, later on, like this is, I, I don't think these are really major spoilers or anything because it's very like side con- content, if you will. Not even a yeah, side quest. Yeah, and the quest. side quests aren't super robust either, or neither is the side content. So, so in Tress's town, there is an old woman who has a memento spear or harpoon that is her, uh, like her uh, dead husband's, essentially. Uh, she will not sell it. So, like, if you, you go have up and try it. and buy it from Tressa, yeah, you have to steal it. Did you steal it? Oh, God, uh, yeah. no, I forgot about that. I'm going to have I, to go back and steal I it. Had the, I had the guy, I had the thief with me, so yeah, I stole it. And then I was like, oh, Tressa can use this. Yay! <laughs> Convenient. I don't know. Like, maybe it's me like... getting too much into the character, but I feel, I, I stole the candy, but immediately after felt super bad. And there was another instance where I stole something and then talked to him or used the uh, the inquire or whatever uh, Alfin's action is and then immediately felt regret. <laughs> I did not steal the fishing harpoon. I don't know uh, if I need to at this point since I have the like second area level of equipment. So let's say like second tier equipment. I feel like now most things available in the first area aren't valuable to me in the first place. So if I steal them, it's to sell them. And they don't sell for that much. So maybe I'll leave it with this lady. But I'll go check it out just in case. <laughs> I, I don't think it's even that good, actually. But I mean, once you've done like a few other introduction quests, I think you'll probably have a better spear at that point. Uh, so do you guys kind of have characters that you feel you gravitate towards now that you're building out your rosters? Well, since I picked Therian as my protagonist, I have to gravitate towards him now. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. 
I like I like the hunter. I like playing Pokemon. Yo, Hanit is actually one of my favorite units for sure. She has some of the best like uh what is it? Uh special skills or like equipable skills. And uh she's probably the most versatile character in the game because of that capture option. Oh god, yeah. I'm not necessarily tied down to any set um, uh, characters at this point. Alfin's useful because it seems like his Inquire skill is just... I I, I know what the Scholar's uh, scrutinized ability does or path action. And it's just like, why would you ever take that if you have Alfin? Because his is a guarantee, right? The only reason um, you can't... Or the only reason that you'd choose to use... uh, Cyrus's scrutinize over Alphen's inquire is Cyrus can do it to anybody at any level and it's based off of a percentage chance. But if Alphen is not a high enough level, he can't use inquire. Oh, okay. Characters. So I had to actually go out and level him up to use his inquire in a town I went to later because he was too weak. Okay, so there is a there is definitely a, yeah, so a difference between it. Well, are there any other games you guys want to talk about before we address the main topic? Uh, yes, two things. Uh, for Twitch, for Prime Day, uh, the Red Strings Club was free, so I ended up downloading that, and I'm very excited to play it. And a game called Serial Cleaner is mm. also free right now, where you're a guy cleaning up crime scenes. And it looks amazing. It's uh, like a stealth game because the cops are there, like patrolling the crime scene and shit. You're That's not just any guy. Say. You have a great mustache, a yes. janitorial mustache, a custodian's mustache. Dare say a plumber's mustache. Just as long as you don't mention an Italian name that starts with an M, you're fine there. Luigi. Yes. Luigi. Uh, <laughs> did you uh did you play Red Strings Club? Uh not yet. Been kind of a weird busy week. Yeah, ditto. All right. Main topic. Yeah, so this is in many ways uh inspired by Octopath Traveler but I wanted to keep this discussion open to other games as well. So it's indisputable that voice acting plays a role in establishing how a player interprets a character's personality. Uh, For localized games in particular, character dialogue is usually completely recorded, uh, re-recorded. That doesn't, that's not always the case uh, to that, to that region's language. And, because of that, a change can be expected to how we perceive or uh, how we how we analyze a character. And likewise, the scripts also tends to have some rewriting in the localization uh, in, in in during localization. Excuse me. Uh, so I wanted to discuss the many outcomes that can come from a localized voiceover and its effects on the story and cast. In the case of Octopath Traveler. Therian or Tyrion, quote unquote, I think has a very drastic change in not only his like his overall attitude, but also his likability. Have have both of you heard his Japanese voiceover and his English voiceover? I've heard his Japanese voiceover, but primarily in the combat banter, which I imagine is very different from his uh actual Japanese voiceover for storyline-based audio. The tone itself carries over pretty pretty well from the from combat from combat to out of combat. Uh in particular, he has way less energy. Like if if I was trying to describe it, uh he's less cocky. He, well, I I don't necessarily know if he's less cocky or confident. But he certainly doesn't. He he's way more like I'm half asleep sounding. Maybe he has sense. more of a diminished presence, which is a good idea for a thief. Yes, that's exactly it. Like I, I wanted to 
I wanted to allude to like the protagonist from Gundam, whatever the fuck, the uh, the the one you were watching, Iron Blooded Orphans. Yeah, the protag. Uh, I I think it's the protagonist. I think there are kind of two protagonists in that anime. Yeah, but there the, there are, there are two. We're talking about the young guy. Yeah, the quieter one. Like he's yeah. got that at that sort of attitude to him. And listening to, I, I I haven't heard too much of his out of combat dialogue in English, but listen, I I I watched a bit of cutscenes on YouTube, and it just seems like a complete character flip for me. And I I it's like painful listening to him in English or in yeah. Japanese now. Yeah, in it, English it, he just seems like he seems like too much of a trope. I mean, all these characters are sort of written off of like tropes, but his is his is especially evident and um, a little annoying, and it also doesn't make sense for a thief to be so brash in exactly. really any any way. Like, Wait, it explains, why would a thief not be brash? You don't want to be noticed. Yeah, he he just seems like it would really be advantageous for him to be a little more discreet in the way he acts in general. I don't know, man. I've I'm come I come from a loop in the third era where <laughs> thieves where are the chariz- charisma builds straight into your sneak skill. Have, exactly. Actually, the the most recent season or series of Lupin kind of points out the issue with that. Uh, how like I I only watched the first episode just to see like what the fuck is Lupin even like? What would they even be about at this point? Like it's been going on for decades, uh, and the whole concept is when you're this superstar thief in the modern era, people just would use social media to track you down. So because like in, in Lupin's case, it's actually bad because people recognize who he is and they take pictures of him. If you see him down the street, you take a picture of him. You tweet out, Hey, here's Lupin the third, the phantom thief. And yeah, it makes their job obviously much more difficult in the process. But they they even allude to that when they uh, w- like in some of the bar scenes or some of the scenes in uh in I I prefer to call him Tyrion, in uh Tyrion's like introduction that you have these cocky thieves walking around like being really loud in bars, and Tyrion in contrast is it's like those idiots are drawing attention to themselves exactly. So why and then in heartily laughs he in like, the bar? Get out of my way. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's not like I don't think he's necessarily a bad voice actor. I just don't think that that is the right portrayal of that character and it also makes him much harder for me to like. Right, I think the biggest like the biggest uh general point for this topic is that you can still also have like you can have good voice acting for say localization and the uh what do we want to call it the original game voiceover but if you have the like i guess if you have the theme of the voice incorrect it can still seem weird even if you're doing an effective job at voice acting because it's not like Tyrion's or Therian's voice actor is doing a bad job of like playing a character with his voice and staying consistent to that. It's just it doesn't seem to line up thematically the way that the Japanese voice actor does. Tiffany has gone to, into detail about how they work better later on, the the English voice and the scripts that we have in the banter later on. And like that that makes sense too, because assumedly when they're localizing the script, if they are potentially making conscious decisions to care to like alter characters, uh, be- because certain characters tropes or types just might not exist in like typical English culture or American culture compared to Japanese culture. Uh, she, she does say that like, I I'm, I'm kind of uh, extrapolating some of this, but I'm assuming part of her point is that the original voice and personality might not fit the banter that happens later on now, uh, which leads me to talk about Alfin too. Uh, so I, I haven't listened to any dialogue from Alfin in English, just Japanese, but I've heard his uh, English combat dialogue, and that seems very different. It seems like you have like 
the reliable cool guy in Japanese and he seems as as Tiffany put it much more of a goofball in English he's the goofy cool guy in English I think he's still a cool guy like they he still gives off this vibe of like self-assured confidence and uh like trying to be charismatic I think it works in the English as well Primrose's voice is I think solid in both like that's a pretty accurate portrayal uh, yeah. Ulbrich, I, I like you guys didn't play Stella Glow, but Ulbrich's voice actor is the same as like the, uh, the comic relief strong brute. So when I hear Ulbrich, and and he obviously the voice actor is not trying to sound comical in this game, but when I hear it, it's he so just iconic. Does. I just I hear all of the Stella Glow uh, voice bits. Here I come. I am, oh, what's his name? I don't remember, but uh, for people that have played uh, Stella Glow, he voices Archibald, uh, and good voice actor. It, it's kind of funny just because like his storyline is not necessarily one that is meant to be presented with humor. So yeah. when I switched to his voice at the tail end of his chapter one quest, I was kind of like, oh, shit. I, yeah. Not much else to say in that regards. Are there any examples of other games that you guys want to draw uh, draw to or any uh, any other characters in this game? I got nothing. I tend to not switch between Japanese and English voicing on things because it's too drastic of a shift always. And I guess the only time I would know of anything is like anime-wise because that's the only time I'm going to switch between like an English to a Japanese because I know the Japanese version is going to be a lot further out. A lot further out? You mean the English version is going to release later? or Yeah, so basically, like, take My Hero Academia, for example. They're like two episodes behind the uh, Japanese dub right now. Right. So that's, that's when pre- I'll switch between, but... Well, when I was thinking about games that I felt characters changed not necessarily in better or worse uh the one that jumped out to me was metal gear solid and specifically solid snake and this is one that i think like my opinion might be quite a bit more controversial but like everyone will say like the david hater voice is iconic for american players of or or any players i guess that use the english voice actor uh voice acting uh for metal gear solid and it obviously drew a lot of ire uh, when they replaced David Hayter with uh, Jack Bauer. Kief- I can't think of his name. Kiefer now. Sutherland, or what's what's his name? Is it Kiefer Sutherland? Kiefer, like the yogurt. Uh, that's Kefir or Kefir. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> oh God, what, what the Kiefer fuck? What is his this whole name? Time. Uh, you're but you're talking about venomous snake. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, venomous snake not solid yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean it, it's been the same voice going up to that point the the only other time we've had a different voice actor for quote-unquote snake be it big boss it is or it snake. is Kiefer sutherland yeah yeah that's Kiefer Kiefer sutherland uh but the only other time we had a different voice actor for big boss or snake since they're you know biologically supposed to be the same uh would be Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid 4. And I think the justification, I can't remember who the voice actor was, but the justification is the dude's so old, of course he's not going to have David Hayter's voice at that point in time. But Richard Doyle? Yes. Old Snake is also very old in Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> if you guys haven't heard the Japanese voice actor for Solid Snake, uh, who has remained the same from every iteration, he has a much more i i would probably say like vanilla deep voice like it, it's a lot more uncharacteristic or like a lot less definitive in terms of like having the rasp uh that smoker's rasp that david Hayter has i think he yeah. even once said he had to drink a shit ton of whiskey or not like all at once but he had to introduce like a whiskey regiment to get his voice as raspy as it was in four or three i don't oh, recall. wow uh, but it, it's quite a bit different. And 
I find that overall it seems way more serious. Although the game itself doesn't necessarily become more serious, I think some of the humor behind Solid Snake and the Japanese version version comes out because you have such a serious voice saying these lines. Goofy things, yeah. Whereas David Hayter's voice to begin with like isn't necessarily comical, but it's not it's also not like serious. It's over with. the top. Like yeah. it is yeah, it's an over the top where like uh almost parody level kind of voice which which makes uh yeah which makes most of his lines like great memes very easily <laughs> metal gear <laughs> like <laughs> which if you heard jack bauer saying it uh Kiefer sutherland saying that like it doesn't have it doesn't it's not as any funny impact. No. right yeah i to does the line Metal Gear ever get repeated by uh, Snake in MGS5, actually? I don't, uh, I don't think it does. Are you sure? I feel like it has to. I feel like if there's a bingo chart of Metal Gear Solid uh, things that you can play with, or if there was a drinking game, repeating Metal Gear is definitely like one of the primary slots. Right along uh, with full nudity. Full male, or excuse me, full, not full ma- male, yeah. uh, ass nudity of male protagonist. Yeah. That um, is probably right next to it. Mm. And uh, suggestive magazines. <laughs> oh, yeah. My controversial opinion, though, is that I don't necessarily think David Hayter's voice is all that. Is. It, I don't think it's necessarily it's such a big tragedy for the role. that. No, I I think it works. I don't necessarily think the Japanese or English voice is better. I just think they both have their own their own value and worth. And I think it's something too that like I don't think Kojima ever necessarily looked at David Hayter or rather heard David Hayter's voice and thought that is the English voice for Snake. Because if I'm not mistaken, I I think he even had David Hayter uh, audition for Solid Snake or excuse me, Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid Three, which like you know you're two games in at that point. If yeah, you we're not that... already settled on him. Why are you having him audition again? Uh, and and Jack, I I keep saying Jack Bauer just because that's that is the voice. He didn't change anything about it. He's Jack Bauer. Yeah, he just he just used his normal voice. Like, I I think I've said this before, but like so so Jack Bauer's voice is obviously far more serious, and there's a lot less character to it as well. So I think it allows the narrative and his dialogue to be more serious, albeit there's not a whole lot of uh, of big boss dialogue in Metal Gear Solid Five. But I do think the coolest thing that could have happened in Five would have been at the spoilers by the way spoilers for metal gear solid 5 that at the reveal wait have you not beaten it (laughs) (laughs) i already know this i accidentally uh was in the discord chat when you were talking about it after we did our episode of the year last year oh shit i'm sorry (laughs) yeah well it's okay i know Mm, i'm sorry i'm sorry scott you're you were accidentally in the Discord chat. Well, I just hadn't left. I was going to say bye, guys, and then I got... So anyway... <laughs> About that twist. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm with sorry. Venomous Shit. Snake not being... And then, yeah, I don't know. Do we have... I feel like we have enough of a spoiler warning for people. Venomous yeah. Snake is is not Big Boss. It, <gasps> Wait, it, what? I, I remember this now. It would have been fucking great if... After the reveal happens, when you see the real big boss on his motorcycle, that's being voiced by David Hayter. Would that not have like fucking made everything? All of the David Hayter drama going on with Konami would have just turned out to be a ruse. That's no, that's that's great. That would be really wonderful. It's what I'm really sad about is that it didn't end up being Norman Reedus. <laughs> 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 he takes off the helmet and it's Norman Reedus. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Do we have, I don't feel like we have a very coherent thesis for, like, we, we started a discussion and I don't know if we have any yeah, concrete I, things to say about it at this point besides, like, JRPG. I think, in my opinion, JRPGs are very difficult for English voice actors to bring the same level of seriousness or the same tone to their voice acting that the Japanese lines seem to deliver with the voice acting. With none of us being, you know, Japanese speakers, it is difficult to completely do like a head to head analysis. But it just seems to me like more often than not, when an English voice actor takes on uh, a role that was originally voiced over in Japanese, they sometimes have a hard time of capturing the same essence. And how much, too, are they even intending to try and capture the original performance if the script is going to be changed in a way that makes it more friendly for the localization itself? Exactly, yeah. I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly noticeable. And fuck, like, I cannot stand English Tyrion. Holy Therian, excuse me. What a, what a drag. Well, I'll but, have to unlock yeah. him and get in experiences for myself. But English Hanet is the best with her uh, ye old English that she uses. Oh my it's god, I hate great. it so hard. Let the battle beginneth. It's like uh, there are too many douths and thous and beginneths. I can't I wonder... fucking stand the inconsistency of accents in a single fucking town. Like, why do I have two watchmen in Ulbricht's intro? One talks in proper American, proper still, like highbrow American English, and the other one talks like this. Thank well, you. It's a really well, large kingdom. People and, from all over. And if you think about it this way, if you ever go to the UK, there are people who speak high English and people who speak Cockney just in the same tavern. But they're in, in a the fucking rural, rural mountain village. Like, why? I, it, <laughs> mm. We're also in a modern society with technologies that allow people to, you know, to live in one country when they lived all the way across the world. We're talking about the primary source of transportation in this game being walking. And you have dangerous monsters guarding the, the paths from each city. With That's a good maybe, point. Maybe the slight <laughs> justification that if you walk, enemies are less likely to attack you. So, like, your movement speed seems to, to impact <laughs> how, how much of a target you are. So, the in-universe explanation to people being able to move, like the old man that's going to visit his son by his fucking self, even though he gets himself lost, is that if he's going at such a slow pace, monsters apparently can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally like the enemies from uh, Until Dawn. Like, all they see is red, except when people move, and then it's white. It's like, oh, that's a, that's an enemy. Another Until Dawn spoiler. <sighs> oh, fuck, yeah. That game is <laughs> old enough. <laughs> yeah, Until Dawn is the same age as uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, isn't it? They're both 2015s. Is it not? Is it so? I... I don't know, man. You're the one who played it. Yeah. Anyway, I do. I do think that your uh, your anthrop your video game anthropology thesis is probably pretty pretty correct. There, there should be some like isolation of these communities. Yeah, that does that. It, it makes sense now when you put it that way. And yes, until dawn was 2015. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that like I think in general I'm always going to always going to like gravitate. It's it's not my desire. Like I'm not trying to be a weeaboo douchebag, but it's just it's. I'd prefer to play on the original language whenever possible to just get like a, or at least like reference between the two because it's it's so hard for me to distance myself from what the original creators want to portray in their work compared to what the localization team is able to create. But and do I you say ever create, feel? Do you ever feel as if you're going to still miss what the original creator wants because you're not fluent in said original creator's language? Yeah, and, uh, and because the script changes, I'm definitely like... They, it, it depends on the game how much gets lost in translation by 
switching between the the translation and having the English script, like Persona Five. To uh, some people would say to a fault is a little on the faithful side for certain things because certain sentences do not necessarily translate over well. Yeah, but I don't know. I I would almost I would almost argue that like I personally find that more enjoyable and if something comes up that's just weird i'll suss through it myself uh compared to like i i just i don't know why every game feels like feels or every game every localization team feels like they have to add old or traditional style english accents when a game takes place in the middle ages or like a fantasy setting that's fair. I don't know. I just I feel inclined to opt to the English voiceover for my video games. I I don't even know why cuz I normally read the text faster than the audio like clip finishes. And so I skip through it anyway. So I guess but, it's like in that case I just like hearing the battle banter in English and say Octopath Traveler cuz I normally don't let anybody finish their sentences in the first place. And uh, that's different from like when I watch anime, I do probably fall into the sub overdub category partially for the speed, but also because it seems like the uh, like the thematic cohesion that the voices give off from the original voice actors are normally better than uh, the its English counterparts. I just feel like for video games, it's a little less of a necessity to enjoy the experience. And I think in in support in in support of your your uh, approach, like games have a history of like good localizations for the most part. Like the majority of the time people are getting upset or it's usually like pulling at uh it's split it's splitting hairs, I guess. Is that is that a phrase yeah, or saying? Yeah, splitting hairs is probably the right thing to say. Whereas anime, I think, has a better history it can of be like really destroying, bad. not necessarily destroying, but like really needing to change the script to get it to work, whether it's on a lip syncing means or just because they don't want to talk about lesbian lovers on Sailor Moon. So they introduce cousins instead. Yeah. Or, you know, you make a better product like Ghost Stories by just <laughs> yeah. completely revamping the dialogue altogether. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you seen that cookie? I have, okay. unfortunately. So yes. Have you accepted Jesus Christ yet? <laughs> oh man. On that note, <laughs> that's yeah. That's uh. I think we've beaten that topic to death. Is there any news going on really since Comic Con is uh over or in full swing or who knows? I don't pay attention to it. I have not really looked into anything video game news related this last week. Hopefully in the coming weeks, my schedule will be a little less crazy. Should we even talk about news on the show anymore? Cause I, I think we only focus on that. If there's a topic that is interesting enough to base a, an episode around it. Speaking of Since... which, are there any topics you guys want to talk about next week to warn viewers and listeners? I got nothing. I'm I'm thinking like two days at a time right now, yo. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind hopping like further into discussing uh, the progression of this like boost and uh, break mechanic and how it's developed out from Square Enix. I think initially implementing it in uh, Bravely Default and having, I think, a, a more effective utilization of it in Octopath Traveler to like switch up the turn-based strategy that most games have in which speed and um it, yeah where where speed and ultimately like elimination of enemies were the only factors in determining the flow or the pacing of a fight and how these allow you to really uh mix up how encounters work out for different uh, like party types and character builds and I think they add an additional level of flexibility to those games why don't we expand the discussion to just turn-based mechanics yeah JRPG turn-based 
RPG mechanics in general, what is what is being introduced today or in, you know, modern settings that make the genre non-absolete? Yeah. Absolutely. Non-obsolete. Holy, what, what did I say? I don't even know. You were trying to say absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely obsolete. Uh, because I, th- I think there are various approaches other companies or publishers, or excuse me, developers have have taken that I think make the games uh, equally entertaining, but in very different ways. Like the Paper Mario strategy. I haven't played Paper Mario. Any of it's them? It's okay. Any of them. They're great games. It's, I kind of... Uh, I also haven't played Paper Mario, but I have played the uh, Mario Luigi RPG game, which uses the same implementation. Same so. basic mechanics, yeah. Uh, if you ever want to emulate a good game, Neil, uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is like a really awesome RPG. So RPG mechanics moving forward. How does a stale genre stay fresh? I like it. And on that note, I'm going to start pretending like I've been cleaning up all weekend. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. And if you don't, have any... No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to like do the actual outro, but you've got this better than me. <laughs> go! Yeah, if you, ha- if you have any questions, comments, or your own responses, you can write in that podcast at fancyramen.com. Don't be afraid to subscribe and like the videos, the actual thing, and leave reviews on Apple Podcasts as well. And don't forget to tell a friend about our podcast. It's the best way for our audience to grow. Have a good week, everybody. Later, guys.